when you're an athlete and you go out and you're competing and yep. you're just doing it and it almost feels effortless and you're just gotcha. doing it. And it just feels like you're just flowing. It's effortless mistakes are like even the minimal mistakes you make, you're in so much flow that you kind of just blast right through them. Welcome to the audacious living podcast hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. Oh, greetings and salutations, folks. It's Audley Stevenson, and I'm back with another edition of the most audacious podcast that internet has to offer. You've got it locked to the Audacious Living Podcast. And as always, I express my appreciation and thank you for joining us as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever. Welcome to 237 of the podcast. And it's great to have you join us as we dive into uh, what it means to be undeniable. Now, just so that we're on the same page, you know, being undeniable means that you possess a combination of qualities that make it impossible to be ignored, overlooked, or dismissed. It's about standing out in a crowd, exuding confidence, and consistently delivering exceptional performance. Logan Lessar is today's guest, and he empowers people to unlock their maximum potential by building the best version of themselves physically and mentally in order to push through adversity, eliminate the vices holding them down in their lives, and live a life they're excited to wake up to every single day. I get deeper into the topic of being undeniable uh, with Logan in our conversation, and that's up next on the Audacious Living Podcast. Hey, Logan, thank you for, for being here on the Audacious Living Podcast. I appreciate you making the time like this, man. Thanks for doing this. For sure. Oddly, good to be here, man. I've been looking forward to it. Same here. Same here. You know, I... I uh, you know, on this podcast, you know, we spend just a lot of time encouraging you know, that audacious spirit that we talk about and, and, and fi- helping individuals find different ways to get on their own path, if you will. And certainly yeah. one of those things that we, you know, when, that we, we strongly encourage is developing that mindset, um, the mi- mindset to recognize that, you know, there's all sorts of things that are going to happen in life and, and, and obstacles and challenges, yeah. uh, you know, but we've got to overcome those. And that certainly is up your alley in terms of, you know, the work that you do to help people uh, develop mindset, a stronger mindset and, and, you know, yeah. your, 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 your motocross background, I'd love to hear about that. Cause that, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, people that do that are pretty badass, as you would say, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah. may, may, maybe as a starting point, I get sure to talk about, uh, you know, what got you to this point that you're at now. Yeah. So like you mentioned, motocross, that's been the biggest part of my life thus far. And that's definitely where I've probably learned the majority of the lessons that I have. And that is what led me or started my journey down the road of mindset and how important it is. Because for years, I mean, I raced motocross since I was like eight years old. I I technically got on my first bike before I was even born because my mom did a national race (laughs) while she was pregnant with me. Uh, So which is kind of funny. Keeping in the family then. Oh yeah, exactly. That's who got me into it was both my parents and they raced and they did quite well. Um, and they were both, I I think they both won that or state championships here in Colorado. So, and did quite a few national races as well, but motocross has been my my family's life for before I was even born. So they just got me right into it. And then, yeah, for years I had been racing and then I've won like upwards of 15 state championships in Colorado and then a national championship. And then also placed highly at some of the 
uh, top national races in the country. But, but yeah, for years, the biggest thing that held me back was uh, showing up how I showed up mentally to the races because I would practice so well and I would just feel on top of the world at practice. But then when I'd show up to the race, for whatever reason, I just could not perform and I just couldn't go out there and get into that flow and right. into that state that you want to be in, like that peak uh, mental state that allows you to just go out there. And and the way that I'd, ex- the way that I'd describe it is where like when you're an athlete and you go out and you're competing and yep. you're just doing it and it almost feels effortless and you're just gotcha. doing it. And it just feels like you're just flowing. It's effortless mistakes are like, even the minimal mistakes you make, you're in so much flow that you kind of just blast right through them versus right. when you're not in that state, those mistakes end up kind of like irritating you or those mistakes turn into more mistakes and so on. So I just could not get into that when I was at the races and I'd have so many things holding me back. So when I kind of figured that out with my mindset, that's when I really found like, holy cow, this whole mindset thing is so powerful. It's a game changer. Got you. Got you. So, so as, 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 as a novice myself, that knows very little about motocross and, and then the type of mindset needed to be successful. I wonder if you can kind of explain, you know, you know, going into a race, what did you, where did your frame of thinking need to be? Yeah. So motocross is, is hectic going into a race because you're going like at Loretta Lynn's, for example, which is the biggest amateur national in the country. It takes so much effort to get there because you have to go, you have to go at to an area qualifier, which is somewhere in the country. So you're having to drive to a different state usually to go to this area qualifier. And then you have to qualify there. And then from there, you actually at the area, you're qualifying for the regional, which the regional is then maybe like a month or so away, like after the area qualifier. And that's in a completely other state. So you're driving across the country again to go to the the regional. And that one's even harder. Like, to be honest, regionals are probably the most intimidating thing ever because you go there and you're like, I have to qualify for Loretta's. Okay. So that is like the regionals are where the mentality comes in. And it's like, holy cow, this is nerve wracking. Um, All of my motocross friends would agree. And and, and how many racers would be at the regionals all with the same thinking? Yeah. I mean, the regionals were so tough because everybody who qualified at the areas, like the areas were usually... Um, they weren't too difficult to be honest, but then once you got to the regionals, that was where a lot of the top guys are coming and they're there. You're competing for that top spot, which usually the regionals are either you have to place top fourth or top sixth in order to qualify. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's kids coming from all over the country to that race. And there could be 10 of you who are like really good trying to compete for that top four position or top six. And if you don't qualify there, then you have to go and travel to somewhere else in the country to try again at a different regional. So it was a hectic process and also very expensive as well, (laughs) which I would um, imagine. Yeah. Which thank you to the parents for, for being able to do that. Um, but no, the regionals were, were so stressful, but then once you qualify at the regional, then you qualified for the big show and you got this, uh, this really cool ticket and it's basically your ticket to Loretta's and it's, that's like a trophy in and of itself, which I've got quite a few of those, but then you go to Loretta's and Loretta's going back to the whole mindset of showing up to the race. Loretta's is like the big show you're showing up there. And when you get to that starting line, you are, you're going to the starting line with 41 other riders who are all the best of the best in the country and arguably the world. Cause I've, 
had uh, some of the competitors that I'd raced against. They were from like Alaska, some were from South Africa, like they were from everywhere coming to this race and you're lining up all against them. And you're all about to go off of the line at the exact same time, going into the same corner on these giant, powerful machines, 42 of you going 40, 50 miles an hour into the same turn. So it's very, very intimidating for sure. But the mentality that I kind of ended up adopting when I would go to the line that helped me a lot was basically just basically thinking of it as it doesn't matter who else is on the starting line. Like Mm -hmm. I am capable of going out there and winning and basically just thinking that way and being like, I put in the effort, I put it all in to get to this point. And it doesn't matter who's on the line. Like I'm going to go out there and win. It's kind of like that mentality. And then also, yeah, the biggest thing for me, it was a very interesting thing because I actually used Um, which I could go down the rabbit hole of it, but it's something called, there's a book called the alter ego effect, which that's actually what ended up working for me is I would basically, um, I would take on the mindset of one of my favorite racers, Ryan Dungey. And when I would come to the line, I would basically imagine as if I was him instead of myself. Like when I go to the line, instead of being Logan, I would basically become Ryan and adopt the same mindset that he would have, which is when he'd show up to the line, didn't matter who was there, he was going to win. Um, and then he was going to focus on himself. He knew what he did in order to prepare for that race. He put in the effort, he put in the time yep. and um, all of those types of things. But it's really just showing up with that type of mentality that helped me a lot. You know, you know the, the, the level of focus uh, when you get to, or, or you know, again, the regionals or, or any race yeah. for that matter, where you've got so many, you know, highly skilled, talented individuals that you're racing against. Um, yeah. you, you, you're, I mean, if you, if you were to focus on everyone, or, you know, pay attention to everyone else, you'd probably psych yourself up altogether. Right. And that's oh, why yeah. the, the focus has got to be just you and that finish line and nothing else should matter. Yeah, exactly. And that was something I had to push through, which that whole alter ego effect helped me a lot because originally I would pull up to the starting line and I would see certain people that I was going to be racing against. And I would literally psych myself out, like you said, and I would immediately um, kind of self-sabotage by saying, oh man, that's, that's Hayden Deegan, Brian Deegan's son. And that's Evan Ferry, or that's, um, Ryder D Francisco or whoever it is. And I would look at those guys and I would immediately psych myself out and say, oh, well, they're on factory teams. They're on factory bikes. Like I, I can't compete with them. I'll try to do maybe like that guy's going to get first. He'll probably get second. He'll be third. I can maybe come in sixth. So right. I would be psyching myself out immediately. Wow. And what's funny is that when you do that, when you get out on the track if you just happen to be riding really well out there that race and you're in that flow, you might even start catching those guys. And all of a sudden, like your mind, because before the race, you already set the standard that, oh no, they're faster than me. You might even be catching them. You'll see their name and your mind will go back to that limiting belief of they're faster. And you will subconsciously slow down and start making mistakes because you already self-sabotaged saying that they're better than you. And that's like, that's how harmful the mind can be if you're not able to use it correctly. 
that's a fabulous point on self-sabotage because I, I absolutely agree with you 100% in terms of, you know, you, you get to that line and the things that you do to take yourself out of it is, it, it, it's, uh, it's just wild when you think about because this is something that we're yeah. supposed to want, right? We're supposed yeah. to want this, but nonetheless, we're still finding ways to make it not happen. And, and, and the other funny thing is, for you know, for all you know, when you guys get to the starting line, those guys are looking over there. There's Logan. Oh, my gosh. Right. They could be saying the same thing you're thinking, yeah. for all you know. Right. So it, 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 it really only should be about you and your end goal and nothing else. So I want to talk about that level of focus. It's, it's got to be really high, man. Oh, yeah. The that's the biggest thing is being able to focus, especially when you're out on the track, because that's mm. where as soon as you lo lose focus for even a split second, that's where the mistakes happen. That's where you fall. That's where you make the big mistakes. So it's literally staying so focused and at Loretta Lynn's that um, that race is so tough also because it's the one of the longest races that you'll do right. in the amateur ranks, because once you get to the like the pro level, which I've never gotten to that point yet. But once you get to the pro level, it's a 30 minute race. Like you're on the starting line and then you go out there and it's 30 minutes out on the track going all out, literally heart rate spiked for 30 minutes. And that's gnarly. But at Loretta's, it's basically about 22 to 25 minutes. So it's pretty close to that pro level. So it's a really long race. And I mean, you right. have to focus that whole time. And as soon as you lose that focus for even a split second, that's when yeah. things happen and you'll go down, you'll fall, you'll make a mistake and the person behind you will catch or pass you and so on. So that was another thing I had to work on is when I was out on the track, if I lost that focus or if I, if my mind started to wander or whatever it is, I would have to figure out how to in that moment on right. the track in a split second, how to get my mind back to actually focusing um, which one thing in particular, which I started doing years ago, and I haven't ridden one single time in the last like four years without mm -hmm. these, but I started wearing earplugs while I race okay. because I saw, I actually saw some of the top guys at the pro national, uh, here in Colorado. I saw them after the race, they went under like the tent in the podium to get their water before, you know, speaking and doing their interview or whatever. But I saw them pull out earplugs and I was like, that's really interesting. They're racing with earplugs. So mm -hmm. I started doing it. And what I noticed was a lot of people think that when I wear those, I can't hear what's around me, but I totally can. It's just a little muffled yes. and it actually mm -hmm. helps me focus. I think because it's not so loud, but even on the starting line, like when I put my earplugs in, it's not so loud. Like I've got 41 other freaking yeah. bikes along yeah. the side of yeah. me that yeah. are all like revving up the engines and everything. But with those earplugs in, it's so muffled that I can kind of just hear mine and right. it's, it helps you me focus a lot. Good point. So yeah, that was something like tangible. If any racers are listening, I recommend trying that. Gotcha. No, I'm, it, 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 it totally, again, it totally makes sense. And we're talking about the ability to focus and things that can help you focus. I think that's a great, a great tool. Um, you, you, you know, you, you talked about, you know, racing, being in your family and, you know, before you came out of the womb, you were on a bike. Yeah. Uh, when did it become your thing? Like, it's one thing that, you know, our, our, our you know, our, our parents have this, uh, you know, wish dream or hope for us. Um, but we still have to adopt it knowing that, yeah, yeah. this is what I want to do. When did that become yours, Logan? Yeah, I think it was probably when I, I think when I won my first race and had that feeling of like fulfillment and like I did that and I won, I think that was probably when it kind of instilled in me, like, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep winning, right. you know? 
And what was funny is that that was my first win was on a 50 CC um, bike on a KTM at Milliken here in Colorado. And I remember that so vividly because my dad and I made a deal that as soon as I won my first race, he would buy me a 65 CC. And that's a big step because you go from a 50 to a 65 and the 65 has a clutch um, shifter and all those things. Whereas a 50 doesn't have that stuff. So I was so excited for that. And my dad had so much belief in me that I was going to win. He had actually already got the bike and got it set up with my graphics, everything. He had it waiting for me. And literally I won. And I think like the day after I, he took me to the dealership and it was sitting right there ready to go. So that was super cool. But I think that was when it instilled in me, but also I also realized that motocross was my thing just through trial and trial and error, because I did try a lot of like the main sports. Like I tried basketball, soccer. Uh, I think I like barely tried baseball. I never tried football. I'm too small for that, but um, yeah, I, I would not do good in football, but no, I tried the other things and basketball was what I went the farthest with, which I didn't even go that far with it, but I like competed in a little, um, a little league and everything when I was younger and I went to practice one day and when I got home, I went and talked to my mom and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't like it. Right. And I just, I preferred the individual sport. I didn't like the team aspect with the basketball and any of those other sports. Like I liked being in charge of my own race or basically, yep. you know, being the individual who either won or lost. Like if it was a win or lose, it was on me. And I just liked that. I liked that aspect of it. So I think that was when I officially realized like motocross is what I want to do. I love it. I love it. No, I, I think again, we we have different points in our lives where we get that spark and we're like, oh my gosh, this is what I got to do. And so it's always important yeah. to be able to recognize when, you know, we get that out for ourselves. So um, that's totally, totally awesome. Um, you, 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 you talk about, I think just sort of joked on the top about living a badass life. Um, I wonder if you sort of elaborate that in terms of, you know, what that's all about, what it means to you and, and really what our listeners can do to incorporate that in their own lives. Yeah. So <laughs> regarding living a badass life, like, I am an adventure seeker and I have, I'm very risk. Um, I have a very high risk tolerance, which can be very good and very bad. So like I go and live in, I traveled to South Africa by myself at the age of 17 to go work with my business partner who I had never met in person before. I'd been working with him for two years, about two years, literally hundred percent virtually online, um, which I'm actually about to go back to Cape town to work with him again, which I'm really looking forward to. But, um, but yeah, I went there at 17, which it took a lot of convincing to let the parents let me go. But I did that, which is insane. And that was during the peak of COVID. So that was a major risk in and of itself. But overall, that gave me the best life experience I could have ever had. And I, that was seriously one of the best things I've ever done. And then aside from that, I've just always traveled around the country to different races. I was rarely home. I'd be training at different facilities. And then I traveled to South Africa. Now I live there probably six months throughout the year, just on and off and just living there on my own. And then I come home, stay with the family and everything. And when I'm home, I'm riding my dirt bike. I'm going skiing or well, not skiing anymore, but I used to ski. Now I prefer snowboarding. So I snowboard, I'll go mountain biking, wakeboarding, uh, jet skiing, like all these things. And I just, I, there's beauty and there's, uh, there's the downside to doing all that stuff because I can get bored very easily. So when it comes to living a badass life, I always try to have something that I'm kind of looking forward to. 
And I'm always trying to like push the limits and get better and better and better. And actually just came to mind. But one of the quotes that I came up with very recently, literally like in the last couple of weeks is, uh, which is kind of what I live by is the daily pursuit of becoming undeniable in every realm of human endeavor. And what I mean by that is that every single day I'm pursuing becoming basically the best that I possibly can in every single area of life, which is like physically, mentally, Mm. financially, as well as in all different areas, like even motocross. Like if I return to that, which I plan to at some point, I want to become like the best that I possibly can. And I'm hundred percent confident that I can do that with the right mentality and mindset. Um, And that's kind of what I mean, because being undeniable, I love that word. I might even get it tattooed, to be honest, because undeniable is like when you look at somebody and like, for example, somebody's physique that I love is Hugh Jackman's in the Wolverine. Okay. I mean, he's a badass in that movie. And I mean, nobody can look at him in that movie and say he is out of shape. Like he's (laughs) undeniably ripped. in that movie and that's what i mean by undeniable like anybody who looks at the person and denies that like aspect of them they're gonna look like an idiot because it's so ridiculously undeniable and obvious so that's kind of the way that i look at it and then it that kind of goes hand in hand with the whole badass thing as well as just kind of doing crazy stuff and i think a big one is also not letting fear guide me ever you know, like if there's something that I think is worth doing, and even if there's a bit of fear, I want to do it anyway and take that leap, take that risk. Yes. And I kind of sum all of that up into what I mean by living kind of like a badass life. I was gonna I was gonna say, Logan, that as I was listening to your talk and, and listening to how you're impacting people and listening to the the, the manner uh, uh that which you speak at such a young age, your level of maturity is phenomenal. I gotta say it and, and, and definitely <laughs> thanks. Um uh you you're now taking this and, and you're coaching people, right? So you, yeah, you've already stepped out, you've already taken a next level where you're trying to help and coach people to get better themselves. How how did that come about for you, Logan? Yeah, that was something I never planned on doing, to be honest, because I'd always I'd honestly over the past couple of years being in the online business space, Mm -hmm. because what I've done over the last couple of years in terms of business was I've been running a marketing agency. So nothing crazy, but like it, it's a legitimate business. And I always I've seen on social media, like all of these gurus and all these online course gurus and coaches and all this stuff. And I would always look at them and I'd be like, I will never do that. Like, I don't want to be one of those gurus and stuff, but Over the course of my agency, I learned how much I actually really love having an impact on people just because of like the way that we would help these people's businesses grow and the effect it had on them. And I just loved seeing that. I hated seeing whenever we didn't get a result for them and the effect it had. So I kind of learned how much I care. And even at the agency, like I would go out of my own way and, and spend my own money on a client's business to try and like help it in any way I could. Like I do things that was completely separate from what our agency did. I would literally put my own money out there to try and like boost it up if I could. And I just cared so much about that. And then throughout kind of just the course of my, my business and then traveling and then motocross, I've obviously gone through so much with mindset as well as just getting in really good physical shape and everything that, uh, I've. I've indirectly, or I I just happened to help people around me, such as like my, my parents, especially uh, my mom in particular, I've helped my, my brother with his racing uh, on the mentality side. And then I've also helped a few friends around me, including one who was going through a really tough period 
in his wow. beginning semester of college. And right. he was like in a pretty deep state of just kind of stuck and didn't have any clarity of what he wanted to do, where he was going and was going kind of through depression and stuff. And just seeing the effect that I had and kind of how it felt to really have an impact and help those people, I realized, you know, this is, this is actually, I really like that. And then I also can talk about, I found myself literally talking about mindset with people. Like whenever that con or topic would come up, yeah. I could talk about it all day long. Um, all day. And that's why I like getting on these podcasts and everything. So I just decided that I wanted to start kind of putting this stuff out there, build my personal brand, yep. and then coach anybody who's kind of looking for help in those areas. Well, well Logan, you're, Logan, you're doing a fabulous job thus far in terms of not just Thank establish you. your brand, but expanding it in the way that you are. And I think coaching is a fabulous way of doing that. Um, sort of thus far in, in the coaching and the coaching aspect of what you've done, uh, any sort of examples, illustrations of, of, of ways you've been able to impact people positively? Yeah. So I'd say the biggest one is that buddy of mine that I mentioned who is struggling with uh, in college. Because him and I were really good friends in high school, and we were both kind of building our businesses at the same time. And he was completely different businesses. He was in some like construction stuff, as well as I know, uh, trading and things like that, like online like crypto and stocks. And I was in e-commerce at the time and then transitioning into my agency and everything. So him and I would be at school, like working on our businesses while everybody else was working on their school stuff. And uh, so we were good friends then. But then COVID hit, I ended up getting homeschooled. And then that's what led down the rabbit hole of me um, going to South Africa and all this stuff. Well, him and I split for a while and I hadn't really talked to him in a while. And then basically I was in Cape Town and I don't even remember how him and I reconnected, but I started talking with him and he was in his beginning semester at Colorado School of Mines. And basically he was really struggling there and just lacked clarity of what he was, why he was there, what he wanted. And he was like, just so stressed with just school and just didn't really know why he was doing it. So I really just worked with him and tried to help him out just as a friend and help him figure out what he wanted to do, because he was really debating on dropping out and going all in on the business he wanted to do, which I wouldn't have pushed so hardly on him dropping out if I didn't know who he was, because I wouldn't want like some just random kid who's like, I'm going to drop out and start a business instead, blah, blah, blah. Be, like, I wouldn't recommend that to just some random person who I don't really know their background because right. business is right. not for everybody. No. And sure. Sure. like college might be the right thing for a lot of people, but him in particular, I knew from high school how driven he was. He was a really hard worker. He had already had some success in the business realm and everything. So I pushed it pretty heavily. I was like, dude, listen, you are young. He told me that by the end of uh, going to college for like the four years, he would have spent $200,000. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, this is like important. So I kind of pushed the whole thing of let's figure out what it is you really want to do. Like four years from now, do you want to have a degree, 200,000 in debt and go and have this career that you're currently pursuing? Or would you prefer to take the risk now and go all in on this business that you really like and have a passion for? And basically four years from now, potentially have it working to where you've got that freedom and everything. And I basically just helped guide him through what was the right decision for him. One thing that was really difficult was uh, his parents and kind of their perspective on the whole thing. And mm. I kind of helped because I went through a very similar thing right, right, where right, right, yeah. obviously it was my parents were very hesitant 
uh, very, very supportive, but at certain times, especially with the whole college conversation, they were hesitant regarding me not going to college and kind of just going with what I was doing. So I kind of went through something similar. So I kind of helped him guide, I helped guide him through that and kind of, instead of listening to the status quo of what you should do and also listening to and doing what his parents recommended, I kind of helped him figure out what he wanted himself Right. And then helping him go all in on that. And now he, he dropped out. He's all in on what he's doing. He really enjoys it and mm-hmm. he's building it up and it's getting going and everything. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do with it. But overall, he's just in overall, just a way better mental state. He's also getting in really good shape as well. Cause I've got, I've got him on my physical program. So he's getting in like really, really good shape also. So no, that's, that's been really cool to, to see. I, again, it, it just sounds cool. And, you know, when you're able to take someone from point A to that higher place and, and, and using your experience, so in your case, you know, you, you had some shared experiences or similar experiences. Yeah. And when you can take those and elevate someone, because, there's, you know, there, there's no worse, there's no better feeling in the world to know that, you know, you're going through something. So take your friend, for example, he was going through something and to hear someone else went through the same thing and got through it. Now they're on the other side. It's such an empowering feeling. And so when you can do that and help people feel that way, it's amazing, man. It really, really is. It is. It is. Nothing comes close to it. That's for sure. Um, Talk about the iron mindset. Is it, I mean, I, I kind of feel you sort of touched on that a little bit when we talked about sort of focus and the determination, but I wonder if you could expand further because that's, that's something that you, you use with your clients, is it not? Yeah. So iron mindset, or I'll call it like an unbreakable mindset. Um, which that really comes into daily life because regardless of what you're trying to do, you just need to, I think your mindset is like the number one thing you need to have control over because I see it actually going, going into business, which I haven't really touched on this before on a podcast, but one thing that I loved hearing was there's that whole concept of like nine out of 10 businesses fail Except what I heard was that it's not the business that fails. It is the business owner or the entrepreneur that failed. And the business 99% of the time, which I can even look in on my own business. And I've done this in the past. Like whenever we have problems, 99% of the time, whatever the problem is in the business, you can literally see that problem in the entrepreneur. And that is, that is like going into the business or it's kind of uh whatever (laughs) it's transferring to the business. So usually the source of the problem is actually the entrepreneur or the business person, which I've seen that in myself before. So I've seen that in a lot of different aspects, but that also comes down to the mindset side. So when I see people who are close to me, family, friends, whoever it is, and if they're running a business and they're running into problems, I've kind of just connected the dots and been kind of a viewer of what's going on. And I've been able to kind of see, okay, this is the problem they're having, except I see them doing X, Y, Z. So actually the problem is them, not the business. Like I see a lot of other people in that same exact business who are killing it right now and who are not having that problem that he seems to be having so bad. I see all these guys who are not dealing with that except they are most likely not doing all of these things that I know this person who's struggling is. And that all comes down to mindset. And one thing is being able to control. I mean, you're going to have emotions throughout the day. And the big thing is the reaction to the emotion. So one thing with business that I've really grasped, which I learned this from my business partner 
in South Africa the first time I went. And at first he explained the concept to me and I didn't get it. Like, I was like, that makes no sense. That sounds like a depressing life. But then it made sense to me over time. And now I've really grasped it, which is staying the concept of staying calm. And kind of if you had a graph, for example, most people's emotions are very up and down, kind of like a a wave, you know, and everybody, everybody usually knows that one person or people in their life who like when they are just constantly at a high they're so happy so ecstatic all the time but when they're not they are like the most depressing horrible person to be around so they've got a massive gap there and that's what a lot of people have is this big gap of just like really really ecstatic really happy and then really really sad really depressed really angry and what i've learned to be is in the middle all the time regardless of how good the situation is or regardless of what happens i'm always going to stay in that same calm state which I didn't grasp the idea at first because I was like, well, I want to celebrate my wins. I want to be excited. I want to get excited when things go well and when things are happening and stuff. But then I realized that it's more about just controlling how you feel and your reaction regardless of what happens because in business, shit happens all the time and good things happen a lot. So if you're able to stay that calm, and this is kind of what I've practiced over the years, is if I landed, say, my biggest client ever, which I, this is one of the times that uh, my business partner taught me this. I landed my biggest client ever in South Africa and I'd gone weeks without closing a client. And I finally closed one and I got on one call with the guy. And by the Mm -hmm. end of the call, he paid an invoice for $14,000 and I was ecstatic. I, I got out of the booth and I was literally jumping up and down. So excited, telling the whole team, all this stuff. And he, he was also excited as well. But then a little bit later, he pulled me to the side and talked to me. He was like, hey, dude, congrats. That's amazing. Super excited for you. However, and he explained this concept to me. And at that time, I was like, whatever. I want to I want to enjoy it. I want to get excited and everything. But then I realized that when you're able to control that emotion and if you land your biggest client, you're like, awesome. That's great. That's sweet. Let's continue. Let's continue doing this and remaining calm. You can keep that same level of calm when you lose your biggest client and when things hit the fan and when shit goes wrong, you can remain at that same level of calm where everything might be going wrong in the business, but you're still remaining calm and not freaking out and you're handling it like the way that I like to look at it is you're caring about things mentally, but not emotionally. Like you're looking at the situation from a logical perspective and instead of letting your emotions get in the way and control your actions, you're, you're acting based off of logic and basically saying, okay, this happened. I lost this client. We have this dispute. We have this amount in the bank and I can't pay the team this month. So this is what we need to do in order to fix this problem or at least come out in the best scenario possible from this. And that's kind of the idea of kind of having the iron mindset and everything Mm. um, that I talk about, because a lot of people like the person I mentioned before regarding like their business is going wrong and things are going wrong. Well, at the same time, I always see them, for example, getting in devices, maybe drinking all the time and doing Mm -hmm. all of these things. And then they'll come, they'll go back home at like five in the afternoon or even three in the afternoon sometimes and chill and all this stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, if you had the right mindset, to really go and fix the business, you would be working all the time. You wouldn't be drinking. You wouldn't be giving into these vices. And I also see them really having that emotional, massive emotional gap because they will freak out and get so stressed and so anxious when things are going wrong. And then they'll also freak out and get so ecstatic when things are going right. 
Whereas I know for a fact that if they were to have that calm all the time and they handled things more mentally versus emotionally, then things would probably pick up speed and start getting fixed. Sure. So it it's literally just having that iron mindset where you can handle things in, in that type of way. But that was a long rant in terms of that, but hopefully all that made sense. No, it, it, make, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and believe me, I appreciate you sort of taking that because yeah, I think it's important for people to understand exactly what we're talking about. It's not just a, a, you know, an overnight thing, whatever. There are, there are multiple steps and layers. And sometimes yeah. you take multiple steps, we got to go back to the beginning and start again. And there's all sorts of things that come into play here. So I'm glad you, you sort of went through that process because it is very, you know, very, very important. Um, I, again, Logan, I just love the fact that, you know, you, you, you're doing what you're doing. More importantly, you're doing what you want to do for yourself. Um, yeah. The, 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 the individuals that come and see you and you work with them, wh- wh- where are they typically at? Yeah, so usually they're similar to my buddy. They're, you know, younger most of the time because I know I attract a younger audience for sure. But either they're going into college or they're in college or they just got out of college and they're kind of lacking that clarity or that that direction that they're looking to go in and kind of where they're looking to go. And one of the biggest things that I try to help people with first, which I think is kind of the foundation is the destination and their why and their overall vision and where they're looking to go. Because until you know that you can't figure out the steps and the path necessary in order to get there. Because I mean, it's like if you hopped in your car and started driving, but you don't have a destination in mind, I mean, where are you supposed to turn? Where are you supposed to go? Like, you don't, there's no way for you to know that unless you know where you're trying to get to. So that's the like first thing I try to help people with, which that's what I just helped my other buddy with is like, okay, well, what is it you truly want in say like five years? Why do you want that? And then once we figure that out, it's like, okay, well, is your current path that you're on going to get you there? And if not, what is the path that will get you there or have the highest likelihood of getting you there? Let's explore that. So I'd say that's kind of where most people are. And then also I, I definitely attract like young entrepreneurs who are looking to get started in business and potentially be their own boss, you know, gain yep. that freedom financially, location wise, time wise, all those types of things. Um, Cause I obviously started at a really young age. So I definitely attract those, those people and athletes as well. Well, and, and listen, regardless of your age, you, you, you all could use you know, we all could use some form of coaching support help because that's really yeah. why you know, a coach is it's there to support and help you meet your goals. But you're doing all the work yourself, so it's not to think that the coach is the one that's doing the heavy lifting because they're not, right? They're not. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so I guess you know, you know, Logan, if I were to, you know, if if there was that, you know, that 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 person that was out there that was sort of on that point of of decision whether or not to take that step and branch out or or demonstrate the boldness. What what would you say to them? Demonstrate the boldness and step out in like what way? Oh, take a chance. So like, you know, I'm, I'm sure before you started or launched your agency, you may have had some questions whether or not this is the right move or whether I should do this or or or, or just yeah, yeah. question some big point, some you know, decision point. And so vote for so individuals who are kind of on that cusp, right? And who are trying to figure out if this makes sense. What would your message be to that individual? I think the biggest thing is I don't believe in like jumping into something head first without enough clarity and stuff. Like, I think you, I think the first thing is you need to have clarity and understand where it is you're trying to get 
get to? Like, what's your end goal? What's your vision for the future? What's your mm-hmm. why behind that? Like, not only because I mean, young men in particular, I mean, most of us, we are like, it's like, okay, what do you want in five years? What do you see yourself in five years? Most of them are probably going to say, oh, I see myself driving the Lamborghini with a hot chick in the right. passenger seat in Dubai, hanging out with Andrew Tate, like all this. Right. I guarantee that's probably most what most of what young men would say. Whereas I would then ask them, well, why is it that you want that? Like, why? And then they'll probably get something like, well, uh, and you really need to dig into that is figure out like, what is it you want? But why do you want it? And once you've got that reason, that's really strong. Now you've got like direction and clarity of where you're looking to go. And now you can figure out your path of like what to do. And now that you know where you're trying to get to, you'll know, okay, well, this is not going to get me there. Like, right. like for me in particular, my vision, my goal and everything, college would never get me there whatsoever. So I knew that was an obvious no-go. And then these other things like an agency and coaching and all this stuff, that is going to get me there. So then you can really have the question of like, okay, well, is this particular path going to get me to where I'm looking to go? And if so, all I could say is that, don't worry about having it all figured out because that's impossible. Nobody has it all figured out. You just need to start. And the most learning that you're going to do is not going to come from courses, coaches, books, or anything. It's going to come from experience and specifically mistakes. So one thing that I love is uh, fail faster or fail forward faster. So like continue moving forward as fast as you can and fail as much as possible because that's what you're going to learn the most from is those failures and mistakes. Like most people hate the failures. They hate the mistakes. I do as well. I hate when I screw up, but at the same time, that's when you learn the most. So I'd say those are, those are definitely the biggest things. No, for sure. I said, I I think you're bang on with respects to failures and mistakes because they, they're painful. They suck. They're making you uncomfortable, all of the above, but they, there is some incredible lessons for learning that come out of them. So I'm glad you touched on that point. Logan, oh, yeah. this was just a, a really awesome chat. So glad to have you to here here on the yeah, podcast, thanks, and very very good. Again, very very you know, I'm very impressed. Uh, you know, with you, you you've taken these lessons. Some of these lessons have taken some people an entire lifetime to figure out, and you've taken them at a young age, and I've been able to do some yeah. incredible things with them to help others. More importantly, so thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Thanks, uh, for 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 our, our listeners that wanted to sort of catch up with you or learn more about you, or wh- where could we send them? Yeah, so you could just go to my Instagram, which is Logan underscore lesser. Um, pretty easy to find. And then I'm posting on there every day, including in my story, like posting my daily routine, waking up at four, going to the gym, and then kind of just what I'm going through throughout the day and thoughts that come to mind and then posting good mindset stuff, motivation on, mm-hmm. on my feed and everything. But people can also reach out to me one-on-one there if they had any questions or if they wanted to get coached by me or join one of my programs, then yeah, they can reach out there. But uh, my Instagram is kind of the home base. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Logan, man, this is totally awesome. Thank you for doing this and, and, and keep up all the great work, my friend. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Back we are here on the podcast. Much thanks and appreciation goes out to Logan for the insights on the, what it means to be undeniable in that daily pursuit of going after it. Uh, if you're interested in connecting with Logan or learning more about his work, certainly head over to his website, which of course uh, you can find contained in the show notes. So thanks again, Logan, for being here. Really, really appreciate the conversation. 
you know, uh, if there's this one thing I'd actually take from the chat that we had, because uh, he said a lot of great stuff, but if there's one thing I would take, it would have to be this. In a world inundated with talent competition, being undeniable can be the determining factor in one's success. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a professional or competitive industry or an artist seeking recognition, the ability to make an indelible impression is invaluable. Here are several reasons why being undeniable is of a paramount importance. When you're undeniable, you have the power to create opportunities where others see obstacles. You, your unwavering commitment to excellence and your ability to consistently deliver results can open doors that might otherwise remain closed. Being undeniable is synonymous with be, building credibility. Whether you're seeking to establish yourself as a thought leader in your field or striving to gain the trust of others, your undeniable nature can solidify your reputation and influence. Life is full of challenges, setbacks, and naysayers. Being undeniable equips you with the resilience and determination to push, push through obstacles, rise above criticism, and emerge stronger on the other side. Your undeniable nature can serve as a resource of inspiration for those around you. By setting a high standard and demonstrating what is possible through your actions, you can motivate others to pursue their own paths with passion and purpose. In conclusion, the importance of being undeniable cannot be overstated. It's a quality that empowers individuals to transcend limitations, seize opportunities, and leave an indelible mark on the world. By embracing your undeniable potential and committing to continuous growth and excellence, you can position yourself as a force to be reckoned with, with any endeavor you pursue. Remember, being undeniable is not about being perfect, but about consistently showing up with passion, expertise, and unwavering commitment to your goals. So embrace your undeniable nature and let it propel you towards the realization of your aspirations and the fulfillment of your greatest audacious potential. We've sadly come to the end of another episode of the Audacious Living Podcast. And as always, I send my thanks and appreciation to all those lovers of audaciousness uh, who offer their tremendous support and a big reason why this podcast continues to go. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoy what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.